0: Thanks, Tobias. How good's praying together. How good's worship as well. Can we give the worship team a round of applause? Well, I think worship here is incredibly anointed. Um, Hello, I'm Kate. I think I know about, I'm going to say 90%. Fun fact, my entire extended, you're my, what, what do you call my, Immediate! I must be nervous. I'm forgetting words. My entire immediate family is here, and my brother's fiancé, who's all the way from the Gold Coast, who came just for me, I'm sure, is in the congregation. (laughs) All right, so, this is my first time preaching, and it's really... I was just saying to Toby... Okay, stop that. I was just saying to Toby, it's really weird, because normally I worship... Leading or like, I don't know, doing something else. And so it's just weird talking into a mic, but it also feels really good because I love attention. And it's good that my immediate family is here because I never get it from them. So now they're forced to sit here and listen to me talk for approximately two hours. Just kidding. Okay, so yes, my name's Kate. I am preaching to you for the first time. We are continuing... um, A series called The Way, as you can see. And Tim has been taking us through that for, I don't know, months? I'm not sure. But today we're looking at Jesus and prayer, which I think is two of the most fundamental parts of Christianity, right? Jesus and prayer. And I hope you know who those, or what those two things are. If you don't, Jesus is your Lord and Saviour. And prayer is the tool that has been given to us to communicate To Jesus. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention, you probably are dying to know, sorry. (laughs) Before I get serious, I busted my foot, as you can see. I did it last night. I was dancing in the kitchen to dancing in the moonlight, and I just went too far and I rolled my ankle. I went to a doctor today, have to get an x ray tomorrow to determine whether it's broken or not. But good news is, I get a whole week off work, so. (laughs) okay back on track so we're looking at Jesus in prayer and the scripture we're looking at um today or tonight is Matthew 6 verses 4 to 18 and this is basically um where the disciples Jesus disciples come up to Jesus and they say but how do we pray which Firstly, when I thought of that, I was like, that's weird. These guys have been traveling with Jesus for some time now and they've, you know, done ministry with him. Why don't they know how to pray yet? You know, what? surely they've heard him actually pray and participated in that. So why have they gone up to Jesus and asked, how do we pray? So the first part, the first scripture, this thing never really works. So I'm really surprised that that worked. Um, the first part of this scripture, I'm going to read it out to you. It says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask of Him. So when I first dived into this, when Tim gave me the topic of Jesus and prayer in this scripture, I thought, cool, that's easy. We all know Jesus, we all know prayer. But the more I was doing my research, the more I realized how much there is to unpacking this scripture and there are theologians and people all over the world who I'm sure have spent pretty much their whole life unpacking just this so I'm going to try and do my best to unpack this but when I first read it I thought that there is the do's and the don'ts of prayer and we can see that in oops not that one this sorry Toby if you can't see this because so I'll tell you. The first couple of sentences um, are highlighted and the last couple of sentences are highlighted. This is because this is the part where Jesus is explaining the don'ts of prayer. Um, so just quick background. Pagans were the people of the time. They were like really smart scholars, blah, blah, blah. Anyone who didn't worship the God of Israel, Yahweh, and they believed in many are the gods and essentially um, in these sentences I feel like Jesus is pointing out the human condition here what I see is what he's describing is these pagans they're praying and standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others and he's saying that they have already received their reward in full um, Essentially, what they're doing is they are receiving the glory in that moment. When it talks about receiving their reward in full, Jesus is saying it's then and there, it's cheap, it's temporary. we can actually translate that into our everyday life. There are many moments, I know I do this, where um, we receive those cheap, quick, temporary rewards because they feel good in the moment. But what Jesus is encouraging here is don't do that. And specifically, he's talking about prayer. Um, Hypocrites... I'm not sure what the Greek word is for that, but I do know that it, it means to act or to perform. So do not act, do not perform. Um, the next part to so the last couple of sentences, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. I did some back research on that as well. And um, there was some Jewish law where it was three times a day, whatever you're doing, you had to stop and you had to pray no matter what. But there were only, and you had to do that in silence. And there were only a few places, aka the synagogues, where you could actually pray out loud. So these pagans, they would hang out like the cool dudes they were. They would hang out in these synagogues and wait for the ding, the time to pray. And they would start praying and they would do it as if it were a performance. And what Jesus is saying is do not be like them. Do not stop and wait for that ding. Pray, pray aloud, but do it for men and not for God. Um, I love the line, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask of him. This is actually where Jesus first introduces the word father in the scripture. He says father all throughout scriptures, but this is the first time. And Jesus he refers to the Father in an intimate way. And that's the word I'm going to be referring to throughout this whole sermon is intimacy. And he specifically points out that You do not need to be like them for the Father knows what you need already. So what he's essentially saying is you do not need to stand in a synagogue and basically scream and yell and babble and go on and on. These pagans would actually, they'd rip their clothes off, they'd roll around, they'd exhaust themselves partitioning, essentially trying to catch their attention of their God. But what Jesus is saying here is no, 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 you don't need to do that. You simply need to open your mouth and you have God's attention. You don't need to perform. You don't need to act. Christianity is not a performance or an act, even though sometimes it can seem like that. It's not that. And I love that it says the Father knows what you need before you even ask of him. Because the Father put those needs inside of each and every one of us. He knows what those needs are. And of course, He put them in us because He wants us to reach out to Him and ask for those. Because when we reach out and we ask, we are communicating to our Father. And when we do that, there's a relationship forming. And that is our true purpose, is to have a relationship with our Father. I haven't followed my notes and now I'm lost. There's this really great quote by this fellow called Dallas Willard. He's a scholar. Um you probably didn't need to know that. He's a really wise man, and he says, The pagans did not understand that prayer to the God of Israel, who is Jesus, the living and the personal God of the universe, is intelligent conversation about matters of mutual concern. So what Jesus is trying to get at is don't fall into the patterns of performance. That's not just prayer. That's talking in a sermon, that's worship leading, that's going to work, that's talking to your family, talking to your friends. When you are a Christian, that doesn't diminish your authenticity. You don't all of a sudden, yes, you're joining a family and you're joining um, unity and oneness, but you're not losing your individuality. You are still... Have, you still have that uniqueness and a unique relationship with Jesus, even though we're all doing that together. Okay. So the next part of the Scripture is the, the meat of the sandwich of the Scripture. It says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus is highlighting the beauty behind authentic prayer here. And for a lot of us, this can actually be hard, trying to pray authentically. And I would say, I mean, I can speak for myself, but I'm probably going to say it's easy for a lot of us to not actually go out into a synagogue and shout and scream and rip our clothes off. In agony it's probably like not a common daily occurrence for us so we're fine not doing that that's fine (laughs) Um, but the hard part I think what I'm going to speak on my behalf is actually just praying alone unseen in my room in my car on the train in my head it's difficult because when you pray to your father you're essentially waging war against your flesh. And what does that mean? It's that um, original sin that came into the world when Adam and Eve first ate that apple. You're waging war against the repercussions of that. You're saying yes to Jesus and no to your flesh. And that's hard. And that's not a one-time thing. You don't get saved and all of a sudden you're sin-free. Oh wait, you are sin free. You don't not sin. <laughs> I nearly blasphemed over the microphone. But do you understand what I mean? It's still it's a daily. Yes, I I am I know I seem like an angel to most of you. So it's really good that again my immediate family is here because I can be a right terror and I'm really loud in the house and if I'm upset people they all know because <laughs> I'm very vocal about it. Hence when my foot was hurting, I wasn't nice to my mom today and she drove me to the doctor. I've lost my train of thought. I'm talking about my family. (laughs) Yeah, it's raging war against. And it's a daily, yes, it's waking up and saying, all right, today I'm going to surrender myself to the Father because I know that leads to eternal life. And I'm going to say no against my flesh because I know that hinders my direction to eternal life. And it's hard and we all mess up. We all mess up, but thank the Lord Thank the Lord that the Lord came and He took away that pressure, that enormous pressure to perform every single day. He did that for us. So it's really important to remove ourselves from everything, everyone, all our relationships, all our friendships, our work, what we have at uni, to actually spend time with the Father to grow in intimacy. Intimacy is not just a saucy word, okay? (laughs) It's a word, it means closeness, to draw closer. And like I said before, I really think that that it's a beautiful thing. It's something that we are purposed for. And I love that Jesus calls God Father because Father already, it invites a level of closeness and personalizes it and automatically reminds us that we have been adopted into sonship. He's not just this far-off God in the sky that sometimes gives us attention and that we have to make deals with, like, I'll be really good if you heal me. It's not how it works. Intimacy is building on a relationship. And that's what prayer is. It's intimacy with the Father. Have you ever tried getting to know someone by not talking? No, you haven't. If you said yes, you're wrong. It requires communication. It requires being honest. And here's the thing, you can't hide from God. Well, it's scary, I know, especially if you've done a lot of naughty things. No, I'm just kidding. Um, He can already see your heart. And some of you might say, well, why do I need to share? Because He wants you to want Him to see. And that's really important because that's building a relationship. And I know that the word Father can sometimes be like a trigger or uneasy for some of us. So I just want to pray that right now that that be broken in Jesus' name because there's so much in the way of growing into a relationship with our Father. So I just pray that in Jesus' name that that would break. And Jesus, he did this. It's interesting because the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you'd think that Jesus would come down being like, yep, know everything about the Father. We're all good. I'm ready to die now. As an infant on the cross, can do it. No, what he had to do is spend time growing in relationship with the Father and he withdrew himself. There are large portions of the Bible where Jesus actually withdrew himself from the parties, from the good times, the bad times to get to know the Father. And if Jesus knew the Father that intimately, then it makes perfect sense to listen and model our prayers around how Jesus instructed us to pray. The Lord's Prayer. Put your hand up if you're familiar with that one. Okay, put your hand down. Not going to lie, I can't say it off by heart. I went to a state school, so don't know it. It goes like this. (laughs) Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to try and be really quick because I don't actually know what... Time I jumped up, but I heard that a good sermon is a 20 minute sermon. But I think I've been about 15 minutes, so I'm being naughty. I'm going to break this down. Our Father in heaven, as I pointed out before, Jesus refers to God as the Father. And I love that he opens it up with our Father. All of a sudden, it breaks that impersonal barrier. And it breaks away the idea that God is an unrelational, or sorry, a non-relational God. And it highlights, I already read that point, sorry. This is my first time preaching, did you know? (laughs) I'll move on to hallowed be thy name. So the word hallowed, I googled this, actually means supreme. I didn't know. But I love that it says hallowed be thy name. Supreme is your name. Jesus is highlighting that the Father is the supreme one. He has preeminence. And isn't that beautiful to open your opening prayer line to be like my Father who I put first, who I put above all else. You watch, you pray that one line and just watch things like fall off of you. I'm talking like metaphorically and spiritually. There is power behind that truth proclaiming that he is the father and he is the one with supremacy. Um, I think that some of the greatest battles we'll ever face come off the bat of putting something before God. And I'm really guilty of that one. I I so easily get caught up in the next project or the next thing that I can do. And all of a sudden, I just... It's like I forget who God is, the God who gave me gifts and he's the one who gives me ideas and he's the one that blesses my relationships and in that moment I forget him. And he doesn't reject me for that. As a matter of fact, he goes, no, 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 Kate, come back over here. I'm jealous for your attention. So it's really beautiful and I bet it gives God the shivers to hear that we call him Father and that we say he has Supremacy over everything else. Next, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, to pray for God's kingdom to come to earth is to pray for restoration to God's original design for us. So, when we're praying for healing, for restoration, for deliverance, we are praying for his kingdom to come, to take his place, and to let it erupt into our reality. Now, we don't have A full 100% 360 idea of what his kingdom looks like, but it looks a whole lot better than it does this. So when we pray for his kingdom to come, that is powerful. That will be done is essentially a huge place of trust. Your will be done. You do it, God. Just have your way. That's letting go of the steering. That's Jesus take the wheel right there. That's where they got that from. On earth as it is in heaven, and we like we have an idea of what's going on in heaven. I get it. It's probably really great because God's there, but we don't have a full idea. So that's a place of trust to be like, Nah, nah. Bring what you've got going on up there. Down here, I want that. Next, give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive. Our debt is so... Daily bread is Jesus referring to our necessities as opposed to our luxuries. And living in the West, it can actually be pretty hard to decipher between the two. Like sometimes I'm like, God, I just... My bread is a red Ferrari. I'm so sure of it. (laughs) Like, come on, just give it... No, it's not. And living in the West, it's really hard because we've got the Kardashians throwing ideas in our face that you need lip injections or you're not hot. No, it doesn't work that way. So we need to pray to God and align our heart with Him to understand, or better yet, read the Bible, to understand. (laughs) Thanks, Will. To understand what our necessity. It was was a half-committed clap. (laughs) He tried. Okay. As opposed to our luxuries, all right, and aligning our hearts with God's heart really makes praying a whole lot less. I'm trying to figure out this big, long maze. It's more direct. And to do that, you need to spend time with Jesus and you need to read your Bible. Um, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So it's important to remember to forgive those who have wronged us as God has forgiven us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So temptation has been around from the start of mankind. It's been there. It was there with the apple. Eve bit into the apple because she was tempted Adam bit into the apple because he was tempted it's a sin that we all fall into but temptation is an opportunity for growth and that's really important to remember don't kick yourself if you feel tempted to do something do not go oh well I'm tempted so I might as well do it because I've already done it no that's not how it works It's actually a really amazing opportunity that God would trust you, that there's that temptation and that you pull away and you say no to that. And then God actually trusts you more. I see a lot of of people in our generation actually fall into that trap. So it's really important to know. And growth, it feels good. It's not just growing out skills or whatever. It's actually growing in with the Father. And when we do things with God, it's a million times better than doing it by ourselves. And deliver us from the evil one. I feel like, you know, that's kind of, you understand that. Protect us from evil around us. It's actually important to ask that, ask that of God. Again, he hears it in our hearts and he sees it, but he wants us to ask that. And this is the final part of the verse. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins. So this is not saying that we're no longer forgiven and saved if we don't forgive others. Just want to clarify that. It's talking about the damage that's caused to others and to ourselves when we do not forgive. It's so easy for bitterness to grow in our hearts if we allow it. It creeps up on us. We need, to be, we need to learn to be content in the Lord for that bitterness to not creep up inside of us. Sometimes I feel like we'll, we've all got opinions. And it's important to have opinions and ideas, but it's important to come at those with humility. That's another thing I think our generation, well probably all generations, I just see it in my generation. We really struggle with that one. And it's interesting that this has been written after the Lord's Prayer because it's telling us that when we pray and ask for healing, ask for God to do a work in us and ask for God to use us for His kingdom, there may be things that we're holding on to that hinders God answering our prayer. I'm not sure. I'm not... Mark, maybe I had to tell you this. I don't know if there's, in the Bible, it talks about like um, holding on to bitterness and God not answering your prayers. I'm not sure. But I feel like when you hold on to things, especially bitterness, those bitter roots, it's essentially taking space up in your heart. And that's a place where God wants to take up. He's jealous for that space. So not forgiving people is essentially taking up space in your heart and we're called to forgive those people even if they have wronged us so that's the end of my sermon but i'm going to lead us into communion now and i'm going to pray for us